Ronaldo's rescue act spared Solskjaer's blushes, but will Manchester United's deficiencies be exposed again as former Liverpool boss Rafa Benitez takes Everton to Old Trafford? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Sticking plasters or short-term solutions required when our regular betting guru, Mark O'Hare, is around. He's been sacrificing vitamin D in the bet cave, working out all the angles for us. Uh, Mark, let's start with the uh, Saturday lunchtime game at Old Trafford then. Manchester United 1.5 favourites here, a similar price to the one they had against Villarreal in midweek in the Champions League. And again, doesn't seem like a very attractive price. No, it doesn't. If you if you watch the ninety minutes against Villarreal, um, it probably does. If you look at the headlines uh, on Thursday morning after Man United's win against Villarreal, because there's a lot of scoreboard journalism going on, uh, recounting glory days of Man United, because they beat Villarreal in the last minute despite playing dreadfully, uh, at least for the first forty five minutes. But they were they were rubbish, weren't they? I know we're an yeah. analytical podcast, of course, but they were genuinely rubbish. Really rubbish. And um, if Paco Alcacer could finish, you know, the game could have been over and done with by half time but uh, you know if we're being facetious Villarreal are a mid-table La Liga team at the moment they've won once all season United should really be putting those kind of teams away comfortably um, but they are a decent team um, however it's not Bayern Munich it's not PSG not even Juventus um, it's little Villarreal it's a massive deal for them to go to Old Trafford uh, and they put on a really good show I thought so you know without David De Gea between the sticks United would have lost that game Um uh, I cannot see United progressing at the moment under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, unfortunately. They're playing without a plan. Uh, he's just literally putting the best players on the field and, and hoping for the best, it feels like, anyway. So, yeah, there's no way I can kind of back them at the current prices, even with an Everton team without Calvert-Lewin, uh, Richarlison or, or Coleman either. So, yeah, I mean, Everton have been pretty bland last week last against Norwich with that win. But you just look at the dugout and you see Rafa Benitez and you feel there's a guy who could engineer something as an underdog at Old Trafford, um, regardless of who he has available to him. And that front four on paper for Everton, who played against Norwich, pretty uninspiring. But... I just back Benitez to, to make it work in some way or form. United are without Maguire, who I do think is a big miss. Uh, Lindelof and Varane might have been the first time they've played together on, on Wednesday night. Certainly Varane was error prone throughout. And this is a Wednesday night to Saturday early kickoff turnaround, which is always harsh, despite the, the squad and riches at United's availability. So, yeah, this game ended 3-3 last season. It won't be 3-3 again, for sure. Um, I think Everton will be a lot more tighter. Obviously, they haven't got that quality in the final third. But United's win rate at Old Trafford since the start of last season in the Premier League is just 50%. And they've conceded in 14 of those 22 games. This season, they've kept one clean sheet, and that was against Wolves when they were second best. Um, I looked at their record in this kind of form when they've been going off as either a minus one Asian handicap favourite, minus three quarters or minus one and a quarter. So the two handicaps either side of the minus one. Uh, they don't have a, you know, they don't regularly beat teams by two or more goals. They do concede goals as well. Everton have twice been here as big underdogs in the last two seasons and collected score draws. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look at Everton's away form last season, they only lost twice at top half teams. Uh, one of which was at Chelsea in March, who were going great guns under Tuchel. Uh, and also I looked at Everton's record as away 
underdogs when given a, a three-quarter goal start on the Asian handicap all the way to a plus one and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap. And they don't get beaten by two goals or more regularly either, uh, one of which was that Chelsea match in March and one of which was uh, Liverpool in a title-winning campaign. So, yeah, I think Everton can be really competitive here and I think this is a great opportunity to dump, uh, dive into the Asian handicap market. Everton plus one and a quarter is trading around uh, 1.8, which uh, I think really does appeal. I think any game when you're starting uh, where you feel that the the, the favourite is is probably a little bit overrated or overvalued, you know, you need Man United to win this match by two goals or more to lose your stake. And I think from a starting point, that's a, that's a nice play, position to be in, even if United win this game by one goal, we're making a half stakes profit. So yeah, it's an angle I like this weekend. Odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe is back with us. Stinch, we've bashed Solskjaer a lot on this podcast, rightly so, I think, at times. But aside from the coaching, do you think individual players need to do more? I don't know. Maybe you're giving footballers too much credit there, Kev. They're not that intelligent. (laughs) But I think guys like, you know, you look at Bruno Fernandes, you look at... Paul Pogba, I mean, Pogba's a World Cup winner. Bruno Fernandes is capable of taking over a game. You know, you expect a bit more, not just from those guys, but from a very good set of players. So, yes, the coaching is poor, and obviously the coaching sets the standard for everybody, but you'd still expect a bit more from the players regardless, wouldn't you? I don't know, maybe it's an ego thing. You know, Pogba, Fernandes... Ronaldo, maybe they would expect to be the number one guy in the team. And obviously, Ronaldo is now that one. So maybe that's put Pogba and Fernandez out a bit. I don't know. I, I, I think coaching is, 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 a big, is a big thing. You look at a lot of teams around Europe that punch above their weight. One just off the top of my head, uh, Mainz at the moment under Bo Svensson. Massively punching above above their weight with a, what I would describe as not a fantastic set of players, but it's, the, it's all about the coaching. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's 11 players that you've got to arrange on the pitch and, and ensure they are doing uh, what you expect them to do. You think about Varane, Sancho, Ronaldo, they're all new players, so they need to be integrated. You know, they're not maybe immediately able to strike up partnerships with players. So they need the guidance from the coaching staff. So, yeah, I, I, you know, long-term, he's not going to be a success. It's, it's a complete fact. So I think um, maybe a bit similar to Jason on the on the podcast last week when you mentioned about Ley in Barcelona. You probably do a similar sort of thing with Man United, but pick your battles. I wouldn't say lay them every game, but uh, any game that you think they appear a bit short, lay them, but then cover yourself by backing the Ronaldo to score Ronaldo to be shown a card at 11-1 to one double, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case the shirt comes off. That's it. That's it. Uh, Jake Oskarthorpe's been plugged into InfoGoal's data matrix overnight. We've just taken the cables out of him and he's full of the necessary facts and figures. Uh, Jake, United aren't out of this title race by any stretch. It's not as if they've got like three points. But from an XG standpoint, where are they? Um, Well, if you're looking at the raw numbers, they've actually not performed too badly. Um, 1.96 1.96 expected goals for per game, 1.3 expected goals against per game. It's, it's steady numbers, but then if you factor in uh, and take it one step further and look at the strength of schedule and the teams that they've actually played, it starts to become a little bit alarming, really, when you're looking at that level of process because based on um, the average forecast position, according to the InfoGoal model, um, 
Man United have had the fifth easiest schedule to start the season. And just for comparison, Chelsea have had the third most difficult uh, based on average forecast position. And they're on the same amount of points. So, And Chelsea's XG process is marginally... Well, it's, it's about the same, but with a much difficult, more difficult schedule. And um, Liverpool are around the same level as Manchester United based on the strength of schedule. And their XG process is just miles clear of what Manchester United have managed. They look much more fluent in attack, which I think is a main issue for Manchester United. Something we've spoke about regularly is that it almost seems like they're getting to the final third. There's no plan. It's just sort of a do it on a whim. Oh, we've got some good players. They'll make it happen. Um, and that isn't really a sustainable way of playing football. Uh, we see Manchester City and Liverpool are so well drilled. When they get to the final third, there's a clear pattern of what they want to do. And there isn't with that with Manchester United. And, uh, since Jason Murphy isn't here, uh, I thought I'd do a little quiz. <laughs> which team which team has had the easiest schedule based on the forecast positions of Premier League teams this season? Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to pass that one on to Mark. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the kind of thing he would know. I, I, I'm sure I, I do know this, but I can't remember because uh, I was looking at it, but it's, it's someone you wouldn't expect, isn't it? It's... Um, this is not good listening, is it? No, um, I'll tell you that. It, it's the team that Man United are radio, playing. This is. It's the team Manchester United are playing. So based on the average forecast, a, 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 a finishing position of opponents, oh, Everton of course, have had the easiest had Norwich schedule and Burnley so far. And yeah, they, they haven't right. played any, they've only played one team that Infocol expects to finish in the top 10 so far this season. So again, like with Manchester United, the good underlying numbers of Everton need to be taken with a pinch of salt because they haven't played anyone of any such stature. I mean, neither Manchester United or Everton have played teams in that finished, or the big six, if you like. Um, and yeah, at the other end of that spectrum, just for anyone interested, Norwich have had the most difficult start to the season <laughs> based on that same metric. So maybe isn't things might turn difficult up. for Norwich though? Well, <laughs> yeah, you could say so. <laughs> isn't that just their whole season? <laughs> it is their thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to this game, I mean, Manchester United really cannot get, in bo- got, get on board with them whatsoever um, in this match. Mark's made really great points about Everton. Um I wholly agree. I think Rafa Benitez is a much better manager than Solskjaer. So I think Everton have got an advantage in the dugout. Um, I think that the direct way in which Everton play will cause United some serious issues because United don't have that dominant ball winner anymore. Maguire's out injured. He's the he's the guy that's a magnet to the ball. So with the direct play, I think Varane and Lindelof might find life very difficult. And I've actually got the same bet written down as what Mark suggested, which is Everton plus one and a quarter on the Asian handicap, which makes me feel good that Mark's in the same thought path. Um, And I also had a little look at both teams to score as well, which is at the even money mark, because while Everton have looked fairly solid throughout the season so far, only Manchester City have conceded fewer expected goals than them. As I've said, they've had a very easy schedule and this is their first major test. And we know Manchester United are more than capable going forward. They have so many different players that can pop up with moments of magic. But defensively, they do look vulnerable themselves. And as I've said, against a very easy schedule so far, they've conceded a fair few chances. So both teams to score looks a a real runner. And I was surprised to see that even money, to be honest. I thought that would be the the favourite of the two. So, um, yeah, Everton plus one and a quarter, I think, is is a really, really good bet for this. But I also like the look of both teams to score to score, particularly with Maguire out, out injured. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Let's head to Stamford Bridge then. Arguably Thomas Tuchel's uh, toughest week uh, Chelsea as Chelsea boss after 1-0 defeats to Manchester City 
and Juventus. They face Southampton. Chelsea, the 1.4 favourites here. Saints are nine to one to take the win. Mark, I'm going to start with you. Strange old couple of games because against Manchester City, I guess they just came up against the team who put in one of the best performances we've seen in the Premier League in recent years. So I guess in some ways that's that's a mitigating circumstance. But against Juventus, they were disappointing. Yeah, they were. Um, and Thomas Tuchel as well was was quite, um, you know, speaking post-match in Turin was was kind of confused by the by this by the display. Um, he couldn't yeah. really understand uh, the lack of intensity, um, the lack of work rate from his team, which is you know the kind of hallmarks of, of how good Chelsea have been in the past nine months under his tutorship has has been those. Um, yeah, so it has been a bit strange, but um, you know I think now is possibly the time. The market certainly doesn't expect them to, to drop points against Southampton, and I don't either, but. I do think kind of times like these when, you know, coming back off off a couple of bad results is, is often when teams as good as Chelsea kind of come to the fore. Uh, they're likely to have Mason Mount back for this, which I do think is massive. I think they yeah. definitely missed him against Manchester City and possibly Juventus as well. So I just think Chelsea are too good for Southampton. They've got quality across the board. Um, I think there's an opportunity here for them to bounce back. It's a really important game just before the international break. And um, this is a Southampton team who are still winless after six games, despite improved performances. They've only scored four goals. They probably deserved better against Wolves last week and they put in a decent shift at Man City too, but that was a weird performance from, from City at the Etihad. And, you know, it's a big ask to try and repeat those standards and hope that the opposition fail to fire again. So, you know, Chelsea do have one of the best defences across Europe, let alone England. Uh, I do think the gap between the top end of the Premier League and the bottom end is is really quite vast these days as well. And I think that's reflected in the odds, uh, the market expecting Chelsea to, to win this game or giving them a 70% chance of winning it. So, you know, it's pretty dull, isn't it? But I'm going back to the well, Chelsea to win on under three and a half goals. It's almost nah, just... Uh... Nothing dull about that if it wins. That's <laughs> fine. Exactly. It continues to churn out the right results. Um, you've got the 1 0, 2 0, 3 0, and the 2 1 on side. That's the, the top four in the correct score market. Um, I know it's been a tough trip to Turin, um, but I just expect Chelsea to bounce back with a low scoring victory and an unfussy sort of 2 uh, two nil victory would probably be on the cards. I think Lukaku's got a lot to answer for after midweek. He feels like he, I don't think he felt like he let the team down, but certainly um, he's had a, a poor record against uh, Juventus in his time in Italy and he wanted to make a show midweek, missed a reasonable opportunity. Opportunity, but uh, I think Southampton might have to um, deal with Chelsea kind of looking to bounce back. And it's, to me, it looks like a routine home win. Jake, it's a tough one for Southampton and Ralph Hasenhutl, isn't it, this season? Because you look at their squads. I mean, that's a squad that if it stays up, he's done a good job. It's not like we've got these sparkling youngsters coming through now. It's not like they're lavishing loads of money on the squads. They still lose their best players in general. And Hasen Huttle's kind of reverted to Ingolstadt mode when he was in the Bundesliga with them, desperately fighting and trying to keep the club in the top flight. Yeah, and you know we, we had massive concerns about them heading into the season, just purely based on their run and their finish to the back end of last season, where they were just simply woeful based on results and performances. And that obviously since have sold Danny Ings, who was their main goal getter. Um, but what we have seen really in, in the last few weeks is a sort of yeah a transition from what was a high press, high octane kind of style to a much more pragmatic and um, sort of defence first, and that's shown in the fact that they've kept. 
well, they, they kept back-to-back clean sheets before the game against Wolves. They conceded very few chances to a West Ham team that are absolutely rampant at the moment. And Manchester City, they, you know, City had an off day, but Southampton still had to go there and, um, and you know, put the block, uh, stop them from creating a decent chance. And they managed to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was very close to going with Mark and, and putting up the podcast staple for this game. But just... I've just taken a more a much a pro, more pragmatic approach myself, and just think that what, the, what we've seen from Chelsea, particularly post international break, they've only had one game where they've actually turned up from an attacking standpoint and really dominated a game. That was at Spurs against Aston Villa. They struggled um, against obviously Manchester City. They really looked non-existent, and against Juventus, they didn't really create any decent chances until uh, the final ten minutes when they were chasing the game. So, with Southampton's marginal improvement defensively and, that, and as I've said that's shown up in the numbers I'm just happy to take both teams to score no and just leave a Chelsea win out of it because I wouldn't be at all surprised if this did finish nil-nil given what we've seen from Chelsea I'm not expecting that I think Chelsea will win the game but just just for myself erring on the side of caution I think both teams to score no is a safer play um, obviously Southampton by improving the defence they're weakening their attack they're not creating anywhere near as many chances as what they what they are capable of doing. Um, they've actually only breached one expected goal once in six Premier League matches. Uh, and Chelsea, we know how good they are defensively. So I'm not expecting Southampton to score at all, but I just want that little extra bit of safety leaving Chelsea out of it just in case they do have another um, off day in attack. And obviously Southampton have showed that they are more than capable of, of keeping things very tight. And as Mark said, they were unlucky really last week against Wolves to come away empty-handed. So both teams to score now. I was very surprised that it was around 1.81 on the exchange. I expect it to be around 1.75. So a small bit of value there for me. Worth remembering our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. A massive game in Spain this weekend as out of shape Barcelona visit an Atletico side that snatched all three points in Milan in the Champions League. Well, Barcelona, uh, well, Benfica wiped the floor with them, quite frankly, in Lisbon. Uh, Atletico 2.04, Barca 4.2, so a little bit over uh, 3-1. to one. Stinch, I'm going to start with you on this one. Atletico are not playing very well, I think is the truth of the matter. They were awful, unrelentingly awful. Uh, Alaves last weekend lost 1-0 to a, a very limited team. But they did manage against 10 men to snatch all three points against Milan. Yeah, they'd be in trouble if games ended after 80 minutes this season, wouldn't <laughs> yeah, they? They really would. And I guess we should pay, you know, we should pay a compliment to them on that score because they never give up. I mean, that's, you know, that's a Simeone cliche, isn't it? But it's absolutely true that they do fight right until the end. Yeah, I just don't, they're not, I mean, their 10 player football isn't conducive to winning games at a canter it's not the man city template it's you know it's not liverpool etc it's it's very uh, organized and safety first approach isn't it um and you can't really say anything negative about it when they just won la liga yeah you know so yeah, it's, it's true you know and Simeone has won a lot of trophies so you know we bash uh Solskjaer, for example but but at least with Simeone, he's winning trophies so you can see there's like a, a plan um and you know it's not it's not actually such a bad approach to sit with you know 
uh, two banks of four when you've got the likes of Griezmann and Suarez, Angel Correa, etc. in in the final. Well, Felix, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're you know they're all of them at one stage have been at sort of nearly world class level and are capable of scoring these these low these low chance opportunities. And you know maybe we shouldn't be surprised that defenses are tiring. You know when it comes to the end of the game and, and these players are taking advantage. You know having said that though it's not something that's easy to maintain obviously always guaranteeing that you score you know not just one but sometimes two in in some of these games this season um it's a fascinating discussion though isn't it regarding the price that letty nearly odds on against barcelona you know would have been this is a quiz question that i don't have the answer for but (laughs) (laughs) is this another one for the phone in mark you could do it could be um (laughs) You know, when was the last time Barcelona were outside outsiders against Atletico? You know, it's going to definitely be pre-Messi era. Could even be pre, you know, pre-Rivaldo era, that sort of thing. Maybe mid-90s or something like that. So it's going to be an awful long time ago. But it's not something that... Uh, I do think Atletico are a bit short, but, you know, we've only got a few games to go on this season of Barcelona and they do look a shambles at times. So the the match odds is, is not where I'm going, but I think both sides are struggling going forward. So I think um, the, the goal line is the one to, to, to look at in this game and, and under two and a half at five to six. Um, you know, Atleti have only scored nine goals in seven games and, you know, mentioned that their struggles um, with with them only scoring late in a lot of those. And Barcelona scored 11 in six, which is, you know, unbarca like not to be averaging at least two a game. Um, in terms of defensively, we know we both, we know, we know Atletico are fantastic defensively and Barcelona haven't been that bad actually. Both of them are top three for the, the fewest expected goals conceded. But I think the, the main, the main sort of angle here is the, the matchup, you know, historically, stylistically, these games are normally tight affairs. They're often yeah. decided by a moment of magic from a world-class player. And on this occasion, Barcelona have Messi. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Barcelona obviously haven't got a Messi to bail them out. A lot of meetings, I remember, you know, Messi with with the winner a lot of the time. Um, and last season, actually, even having said that, last season these games finished nil nil and one nil. So I just think without him as well, that's that's just where this game is going to end up being at. Um, Ten of the last fourteen between the two of them have finished under two and a half goals. And actually, I looked at um, the the meetings under Simeone. Simeone's presided over 30 of these matches, Atletico v Barca, since coming in at the end of 2011. And there's been 68 goals. So that's 2.27 goals per game. And the market here is suggesting we're looking at about 2.6 goals. So straight away, you can see that, that disparity. And having said all of that, those games are all against the, one of the best Barcelona sides for a decade nearly. You know, and then this time there's no Messi for Barca, there's no Neymar, you know, there's no Alexis Sanchez, etc. So I think arguably, you know, that 2.27 is is too high still. So yeah, under two and a half goals at five to six, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see it be very very cagey. It's one of my favourite Simeone moments actually. I think it was nil nil going into stoppage time, Atletico against Barca, and then Messi scored a brilliant late winner and the camera had focused on Simeone the whole time and he just shrugged his shoulders and clapped because he just accepted that it was so good from Messi and there was nothing his team could do. Um, Jake, one of the things I thought that was most alarming 
about that shambles in Lisbon against Benfica was actually Marc-Andre Stegen because he's been one of the better goalkeepers in Europe. He totally lost the plot on Wednesday. I thought the first goal, he got down very late. There was one where he did a Manuel Neuer and was wandering off to the halfway line for some reason and they somehow hit the post. And that worries me because you just think, you can understand the young guys. Gavi, I think, is brilliant. Nico, I think, is is giving the ball away a lot and struggling. But they're bringing these young guys in and asking a lot of them. But when the the older hands start to fall apart, that's when it's really going to come apart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do we know if he's been forced to take a pay cut and he's just paying back that way? <laughs> it didn't I look think, that way. I think he <laughs> I'm might sure be if Samuel and Titi was playing, he'd be doing something similar. I think it would, I think he might be on his the phone to his agent by January. To be honest, Ter Stegen. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think he's it, one of the ones they might pack off and try and make a bit of cash. Oh, absolutely. I think there'd be quite a few trying to snap him up because, as you've said, he's been sensational for years now for Barcelona. And um, yeah, I think it's just a case of he's not used to facing this amount of pressure because Barcelona teams that he's played in have been majority front foot, majority keeping the ball, don't concede too many shots. And when they do concede them, most of the time they're fairly straightforward to deal with. But, you know, all of a sudden he's he's playing in an average Barcelona team that's getting peppered every week with shots. No one, you know, teams used to fear playing Barcelona and used to go into a bit of a shell. Nowadays, there's no fear. There's no reason to fear. You line up and you see Luke de Jong leading the line I'm not fearing Barcelona. <laughs> oh, poor you know? old Luke de Jong. He didn't know he's, get a battering. <laughs> he does, yeah. It's not just him, is it? But, you know, that that's that as a, you know, if I'm an opposition manager or player, I'm absolutely, there's no fear when playing this Barcelona team. And I think that Atletico Madrid will be massively up for this game. And, um, you know, Simeone will be saying the exact same thing. There's no Messi to sort of bail them out. But as Stinch was saying, I'm, I'm tipping the same bet, by the way. I think Unders is an absolute... Well, it looks a cracking price, really, um, for everything that Stinch has said. And I'll just add a bit of XG context to it because Atletico, as you said, Kev, they've not really looked very good going forward at all. They look a little bit disjointed at times. I think they're still trying to mesh the Suarez, Griezmann, Correa, those kind of players are still trying to find the feet. They're trying to find a balance between the solid defence and a bit more of an open, expansive attack. But, um, you know, defensively, they still look really good and just allowing 0.83 expected goals against per game, which is actually better than what they managed last season. Um, Barcelona, as we've said, they're in a bit of complete chaos at the moment and it's worth just looking. I know it's a very, it's a, nearly the smallest of sample sizes, but in their two away matches in La Liga this season at Bilbao and Cadiz, they've really struggled to create chances and lost the XG battle heavily on both occasions, which does not bode well for a trip to, um, you know, to Atletico Madrid. And, the way in which they're playing, the way in which they played at Benfica, there is a reason why they're around 4.2, I think you said, on the exchange. And it's because that they are performing like a team that would be challenging for the top four instead of the title. So, um, yeah, it's it very much a case of Atletico solid at the back, struggling in attack. Barcelona a little bit more vulnerable than Atleti in, in defence, but also struggling in attack. So low scoring outcome is, is the way I'm going. Mark Stinch has reeled off some really good head-to-head stats uh, over the years. And I, th- I just think that backs up everything that I was thinking anyway. So Unders is, is, for me, is a real, real, probably one of the bets of the weekend, I think, around. I think it's 1.89 on the exchange. I think you said 5 to 6, just Stinch on the sports book. Yeah. Luke de Jong, the poster boy for the worst Barcelona team <laughs> of the 21st century. So good All luck to him. 
Uh, oh, like oh, no, Brath- yeah, no I think De Jong's gone beyond him now. <laughs> I think Brathwaite was maybe that, and Brathwaite's been able to kind of sidle off into <laughs> yeah. the background while De Jong I think was that was taken. thanks to a, a good Euros, wasn't it? Brathwaite had a good Euros. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's all right. He's Some okay. money in the bank. Middlesbrough's finest. It's all good. <laughs> uh, to Italy, Mark has a game for us. Yeah, game of the weekend this in Italy on Saturday. Salernitana against Genoa. See everybody getting excited. Well, we should be excited because Italy is the place to be for entertainment this season. Uh, 3.23 goals per game, 68% of matches going over two and a half goals. Uh, And Italy has been the place for entertainment in the last few seasons. Um, Taken over the Bundesliga's mantle for being the the most entertaining for goals. Um, You know, the last two campaigns have averaged over three goals per game. So it's kind of unusual um, to see a goal line set at over two and a quarter. Uh, I think that is the case here with Salernitana and Genoa, uh, a massive winnable match for both of these two teams who are yet to win this season. So a lot on the line. Um, but yeah, I mentioned the goal line. Uh, kind of seven of the weekends, 10 games in Italy have a goal line set around two and three quarters. Uh, this is two and a quarter and it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, both of these two teams have seen across their first six games an average of X, an average XG of over 2.7. Uh, Overs has copped in 10 of 12 of their collective games and the average goals per game in that time is 3.67. Uh, that's down to both teams being pretty rotten defensively. But uh, Genoa used to be, you know, they used to bore the pants off you and, and Genoa and Udinese were the teams to kind of avoid for, for goals-based bets. But uh, they've come out of their shell this season under Balladini. Uh, just look at the three games against kind of bottom half dwellers, Bologna, Cagliari and Verona. Ended 2-2, 3-2 and 3-3. Um, they certainly play a lot more proactively this season. Uh, and Salernitana, who had a dreadful start, they are starting to find their feet a little bit. Uh, they were nilled by Sassuolo last week, but actually forced over 1.5 expected goals. They gave Atalanta plenty of problems here. Recently in the last home game, ended 2-2 against Verona as well. Uh, defensively, they are still a shambles, but they are being uh, a bit more um, lively and, and inventive in the, in the final third too. So as I said, this is a really big game for both teams. And I think when you've got two teams of similar sort of level um, who see it as a winnable match, you tend to get a decent end-to-end game. And I think that has been the case in Italy for quite some time. So backing over two and a quarter goals on the goal line on the exchange comes in at 1.85. That means we'll get uh, half of our stake back if there's only two goals in the game and a full stakes payout if there's three or more goals, uh, which I think is a a nice angle to take. Kind of taking uh, the Mark Stinchcombe route of the last few weeks in the Premier League, but uh, to Italy instead. Quite right, too. Uh, that's the Lenatana game against Verona last week, by the way. Uh, extraordinary for the fact that when the ground staff arrived on the day, they found that somebody had broken into the stadium and covered the pitch in salt. So they had to go and get special detergent to clean the pitch to make sure the game went uh, went ahead. And they ended up coming back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. So well done to them. Uh, Germany. Let's go to Germany and let's go to the German capital. Stinch has a game for us involving a side that lost 6-0 last weekend. They could have lost 10-0. Yeah, her uh, to Berlin. They are home to Freiburg this this weekend. Freiburg's side that's going really, really well this season. Very impressed with them. Great victory last week at home to Augsburg. Might not sound that impressive because it was only Augsburg, but it was actually Freiburg's last ever game at their stadium. So it was really nice that they got a send-off and the manager was involved in the crowd. He had one of those speaker phones and leading the crowd with chants. And it was a really cool scene. So Freiburg on a massive high. And uh, yeah, Hertha, Hertha on the... 
um, on the complete opposite with that 6-0 defeat. Freiburg are slight favourites at 6-4, but the thing that piqued my interest here was the goal line. The goal line set at 2.5 with unders as the favourite and just very difficult to, to agree with that. Bundesliga is uh, fairly goal heavy. Uh, I normally expect to see the line at 2.75 or 3. So this season in the Bundesliga has been 2.98 goals per game. Last season was 3.03 and the season before that was 3.21. So as I say, normally look around about three three goals uh, on average in the Bundesliga. So yeah, around about 2.75 goal line. So yeah, two and a half surprises me. Um, 16 of Hertha's last 24 matches over 2.5 goals, so 67%. Freiburg slightly more impressive 19 of the last 28 over 2.5 goals so 68% yeah the odds here are 9 to 10 for over 2.5 so that only suggests a 53% chance so again you can see the uh, disparity there between the odds and the, on the, and the, and the long term stats uh, these two are both in the top 7 this season for most shots conceded so both struggling on in terms of limiting the opposition to chances. And the two games last season, Hertha won 3-0 and Freiburg won 4-1. So there's there's nothing to suggest that uh, both teams aren't capable of uh, penetrating the, other, the opposition's defence. And I think what is also really interesting for me in terms of prices and odds, both teams to score here is just 4-6. to six, Yet we can get, you know, a massive increase by throwing in an extra goal and taking over 2.5 goals at 9 to 10. And the beauty there as well, I could easily see one of these teams running out 3-0 or 4-0. Wouldn't surprise me if it was Freiburg, to be honest, the way they're playing. Um, but that would see both teams to score, but obviously lose at a much worse price. So I think over two and a half goals, 9 to 10, is uh, is a really good bet in a, in a league that uh, is not shy of goals. Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a feature so good that the cause bewitched Boyzone and Westlife may or may not have all said they enjoyed it. So that's Ireland's entire 90s pop scene covered. Uh, Each of the guys comes up with a selection. Our delightful traders wrap them up in a boosted treble. First pick goes to Mark O'Hare. Uh, I wish you hadn't gone to me first, but I'll I'll, I'll go first, and I'll. Take he always complains when I come to him last, and then he moans when I come to him first. Come on, Mark. I just like to complain, Kev. Um, I know, I know. Villa double chance, please, at Tottenham. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you're thinking, where are the Sunday games? Why haven't they talked about Liverpool, Manchester City? What's going on? There's another show which deals with those Sunday games. So make sure you tune into that. Mark Stinchcombe. Uh, keeping things simple, we're going to go for over two and a half goals. Palace v Leicester at just shades of odds on. Yes, uh, I would. 16 of the last 21 Leicester games have gone over two and a half goals. So 76% strike rate. I think Leicester look all at sea defensively. Mark's favourite player, Soyunku, is having a fantastic time at competing for the Ballon d'Or. Um, <laughs> just three clean sheets in that run of 21 games for Leicester. And they're obviously away in Europe Thursday night as well. So teams generally... Uh, not struggle is not the right word, but uh, won't be as good. I wouldn't have thought with without having a week off. And uh, yeah, Crystal Palace's defence just talked about them briefly uh, briefly last week, but uh, that's just a ridiculous goal to concede in the 95th minute to drop two points. They had Guaita had the ball as a goal kick, and then two touches later, and it's it's in his own net after the ball's left the halfway line. It's just honestly, Anderson and Gui have got a long way to go defensively. 
He's a big fan of Joachim Anderson, is our stinch. Uh, I fully agree with him, by the way, about that game. I think there are going to be goals, and I think Leicester are all over the shop. Uh, that leaves us with Jake Osgathorpe. What have the droids come up with? Well, I've got a couple in mind, but they're both on Saturday. And uh, that means that if they go down, the treble goes down before Stinch and Mark's well, selection. That's fine. Get to Don't run. worry about that. Well, usually you like to have them on this, you know, similar day, but it's fine. I'll, I'll go Saturday. <laughs> Um, I'm just surrounded by divas. That's the, that's the issue. I've got O'Hare moaning about when he gets his pick. I've got you wondering about what reason, day you should you go wanna, for. You don't want to go first on the treble. That's pretty yeah. alive. Honestly. Come on, Oscar. Dude, I'm going to get what WhatsApp got? messages if this one goes down. Be like, oh, I didn't even have a chance. You better um, do now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> uh, likewise, if it wins, I'll be right. It's all over to you. Um, I'm going to stick with the one I mentioned earlier. Chelsea, both teams to score no uh, against in the Southampton game. I think it's around four to five on the sports book. Um, for all the reasons I've said, Southampton having real issues in attack. Um, Chelsea's defence, very, very solid as per usual. Um, and yeah, not expecting it to be too high scoring, but I think that's the best way to go on that. Both teams to score no. You do realise you like you're supposed to be transmitting confidence to the listeners rather than going, oh, I'm not sure whether this is going to win. Anyway, that's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly and please do remember we have another show uh, dealing with Sunday's action. Lots of other Betfair shows to enjoy, by the way, like NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, a couple of racing shows as well, the Wade In Podcast and Racing Only Better. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or simply go to betfair.com. From Jake, Mark, Stinch and me, it's goodbye for now. 